may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and... Right, nearly half time pal, your turn to get a ground round in, off you go No, you get this one in mate because I've got the beer sorted for later What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one, you know that's not how the ground round works Listen here, bud. How does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN. To get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five, that's www.beer52.com forward slash vftn. Sound pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. The season ended seemingly weeks ago now, and we haven't talked about it yet. So this is the view from the Ninians end of season extravaganza. It's going to be full of all the end of season stuff you'd come to expect from us: the playoff wrap up, stuff about transfers, kits contracts, anything really that we can ram into an end of season podcast. I'm joined as usual by Ben Price and Tom Phillips. Ben, how are you doing? I'm very well, mate. How are you? All good, thank you. And Tom? Fantastic, thanks, mate. Yeah, it seems like weeks ago since the playoffs, doesn't it, Ben? It does, yeah. Just surreal, just how quickly the whole thing's gone, considering the season's taken about six years to finish. Yeah, I think I think Wolves are a prime example of still playing, and their season um, their season is over a, a year and a, about two weeks long now because they started their Europa game back in July last year, and they're still playing at the moment. Um, Tom, how did you enjoy the post lockdown games? Um, more than I thought, actually. Um, I was kind of there were so many games in quick succession. I thought I get bored of it quickly, but I ended up watching every bit of football I could in the end, and and obviously we played well. Which helped. I think if we'd start, if we'd done a bit of a Preston and just mm-hmm. didn't win any games and just kind of disappeared from the playoff race, it would have been a different story. But no, thoroughly enjoyed it in the end. Let's let's not mess around and let's jump straight into the the playoffs. Obviously, we we went out and I think people would say gallantly against Fulham over two legs. Uh, lost the first leg two nil. Won the first leg. Oh, sorry, we lost the first leg two nil. Won the second leg two one at Craven Cottage. Ben, let's start with that first leg as you seem to remember it better than me and Phillips as we were talking about off air. Um, <laughs> what, what what went wrong in that first leg? We we just didn't look at the races, did we? Um, no, I, to be honest, I think the one thing that cost us was Mitrovic not starting. I feel like mm-hmm. Marlon Pack being put into that squad was there to counteract the Mitrovic situation and hit, hit Fulham on the counter. And the second he's not playing, Fulham play completely different, it changed the whole thing. And then I just don't think we took, I, I don't, wouldn't say we bottled it because we were quite good for the first 20 minutes until that first mm-hmm. drink break. I think we, Glatzel probably could have, could have had two goals. 
Yeah. And we were just, just didn't get the goal we needed. And then obviously we all saw what happened from there. There was that brilliant piece of defending by Michael Hector, wasn't there? Where he, um, I don't know, he somehow clawed the ball out from underneath Glatzel before he could slide it home. And that kind of summed up the first leg, didn't it? It did. It was exactly just, they were sharper, more up for it and better team won on the day. There's not a lot you can say really. And Tom then highlights Marlon Pack in that first leg. Obviously, he was probably at fault for the first goal by just showing the uh, the attacker which way to go, really. Um, what, what's your thoughts on Marlon Pack? I don't think I'm as negative as other fans are towards him because he's had a couple of good performances um, since since lockdown. But then there's games where he kind of disappears and doesn't do what you expect him to do. And mm-hmm. that, their goal in that first leg was soft. There was a couple of like chances where, well, I think Nelson and Morrison could have put a foot in at one point as well, and we just mm-hmm. and just nobody nobody fronted, nobody did it, and he kind of just ghosted through us. And that's the thing you don't expect from people like Pack. You expect them to put a foot in, just get in the way, and he, yeah, he, even the things he's strong at, he just didn't do in that game. Like he was there to be a presence, and he just he disappeared for large parts of it. Yeah, and then and then Ben, we talked about the the free kick that that was given in the in the late in the in the the late stages of that game, and, and the one that wasn't given for Glatzel. What was your view on that? I just think it's a clear example of just inconsistent refereeing, isn't it? For me, yeah. they're both fouls. Um, I've got no problem with the goal being the free kick being given. That free kick probably sealed our fate. To be honest, that was a killer blow. But for this, it's near enough carbon copy whack on Glatzel and Hector. How that's not given, it's just beyond me. It's just Championship refereeing at times is just really worrying how inconsistent it is. And then managers and players getting punished for questioning. It's just, it's really starting to annoy me that the referees are so protected. If they can do it, they should come out or release a statement. Of the, not, I wouldn't say come out straight after the game and do a press conference, but if the manager released, if like they did a, they released the referee's report at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So the referee can see what they, you can see the referee's view. That's all it takes. And it clears up so much and sort of gives the referees a bit of a easier time. I think I think post lockdown uh, the referees. I, I wonder if they suffered from fatigue as well because there were a few really weird decisions across the league, um, and I think you know they were refereeing two or three games in a week rather than just one or two games in a week, and maybe that was the maybe that's the the justification. But I think I think Harris's response was quite telling, wasn't it? I think if you listened to the press conference, he said the second goal is a great free kick. Is it a foul? The referee has given me a response I can't believe. In the first half, Hector fouled. He said Tomlin, but we all know it was Glatzel. He said he ran into him. I asked him, did Kearney run into Sean Morrison? He said, two wrongs don't make a right. Um, which doesn't really make any sense, does it, from the referee Tom? You're laughing there. Yes, bollocks, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I think you're right about the referee and like the lockdown just having them on. Because you can kind of warm up for it, like run around the garden and start giving your kids a yellow card to get prepped for the season. Gary, you might see that. <laughs> yeah, but um, you can see that. Yeah, there was inconsistencies there. Like they, they, they really didn't deal well with just being thrown back into it and refereeing a few times a week. And it's the worst refereeing I've. Seen. I'm not one to kind of point the fingers at referees quickly, but it's so inconsistent. The the last few weeks it was unbelievable. Well, we, I mean, we saw the the first leg of the the um the Swansea Brentford game obviously hinged on that um, Rico Henry tackle and. I mean, you know, it's 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 a robust challenge, shall we say, but it's not a red card, is it, Tom? A foul. Yeah, like you can see why you you can see why it was given because just because of how quick the challenge was, and it didn't help with like the Swansea players and the bench emptying and shouting and screaming. But yeah, it's not even a foul, and and like, it, lucky that Brentford went through in the end because 
that's it's such a huge game, and to, yeah. to be on that one decision is ridiculous. The fourth official is right by it, and why he's not saying to him not that there's nothing wrong with that, I don't know. It's a bizarre decision. A red card isn't given anywhere else on the pitch. It just happened to be right in front of the Swansea bench. Yeah, they've managed to go absolutely mental, and they've got him sent off. Yeah, one hundred percent. It was quite. It was quite. If you watch, if you watch the reactions to it, all the Brentford fan, all the Brentford bench are like, "Yeah, Warden, great yeah. tackle, great tackle." Yeah. Like Mike Van der Horn. I mean, he's been released now by Swansea, so it says a lot about him. Runs over to the referee straight away, and he's like trying to say that he scissor tackled him, and it's like, I just, I just don't, I don't. It, and, and that referee, obviously, I can't remember the referee's name, but people were like, he's very known for being affected by by the emotion of the situation. But you're right. I just don't think I don't see how that is a foul at any other place on the pitch because it was a perfect challenge. It was robust. He got the ball. He didn't take the man, and his studs weren't up. If anything, the Swansea players' studs were up when the Brentford players slid in because he was trying to you know, step step on the ball. But anyway, it's quite, it's quite funny though. You say like he's um, kind of influenced by the emotions and stuff. Like, how would he have coped in a stadium where there was actually fans in it? Yeah, probably would have said everyone <laughs> so off. got 10 blokes screaming. If it's yeah, 20,000, yeah. he'd been given four red guards. Hang on, yeah. Swansea, you didn't give me 20,000, is it? Oh, good point, yeah. Let's let's move off from the first leg and move to the second leg, where, where everything seemed to go right. And, Tom, we, we, we opened that game quite quite well with a goal within the first sort of six, seven minutes. Um, you know, we bet on Moz to score, but it happened to be Curtis Nelson who got the goal. I mean, that goal was very good all for, for one reason, really. Danny Ward being stood in front of the goalie and, and holding him back. Yeah, it's it's it a really well-worked goal, actually. Um, and it just kind of set up... It just gave, it gave us a chance that you thought, oh, we, we're not out to this tie. And then we obviously yeah. conceded straight away after it. But then we were out of the tie. Yeah, then we were out of the tie. No, um, <laughs> It was exactly what we needed, wasn't it? And it was bliss for 45 seconds. Really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it was kind of taken away from us straight away again. And then, obviously, the first half kind of... It was quite a slow first half, wasn't it? Then after they scored, we kind of went back and forth for a little bit. And then the second half was all Cardiff, wasn't it? Yeah, I, to be honest, again, it's another sign that we... To be honest, we should have taken our chances. Yeah. Um, until they put on that, uh, they changed and went to a back five we were absolutely hammering them and really, really should have taken one of those chances to score. Um, I find it strange that a lot of people are pointing out about Glatzel's chance in the last minute where the ball's coming over his head and he hits it on the volley for him to say, oh, he should be scoring that. If he scores that, that's like goal of the season contender. Let's yeah. <laughs> not play with that because that would have been a worldie. Um, it's just, we just shot ourselves in the foot. Like I, I think if we, hadn't, if we had just been switched on for that 24, se- 24 seconds after we scored, I reckon we'd have gone through because we were the we were the better side the whole game. Um, it was nice to finally see we found a solution to beating Fulham. Yeah, um, it's been a while coming for that, and I was just a bit gutted. Really, they gave it all, but it just wasn't enough. It is funny, really, because you, you say about the Glatzel chance, and obviously he had that header that led to the bit of the melee. He had, um, you know, we had the Volks volley, and there were a couple of other chances um, that, that that we just didn't take, but. Obviously, we, we started Danny Ward in that game, and that was something that a lot of people were clamouring for. But, but Tom, he showed again why he shouldn't start games. He just doesn't score. He just doesn't have an impact when he starts, really, does he? He doesn't really create no. chances. He doesn't really add what Glatzel does. He doesn't even... I think he Patterson adds a bit more as well. Like, puts yeah. himself about a bit more. Ward works off the bench because the energy he gets in yeah. against tired defenders and tired legs. He's a pin in the ass. But when he starts, he just doesn't have an impact at all. No, and that's something that you said, Ben, wasn't it? That you you think he's better off the bench, and I think he yeah. he just showed that, didn't he? 
Yeah, it proved that I, I like Danny Ward. I think I don't think as many people at the club that don't um, scored some important goals for us, but he's just not a top end championship striker that you can rely on starting off the bench and getting twenty goals. Um, which I think is the club have seen that, and I think that's probably why he's not getting a new contract. Um, and it was just textbook Danny Ward of just he went missing for so much of that game. I get mm. Fulham have spent a lot of money on the defence. They they were strong. They were well organised at times, but just didn't do enough. He works hard, but just not. There's no not enough end product at times. Yeah, there's a lot of industry from him, isn't there? But like you say, a lot a lot of end product. But then the time we we talked about Glatzel, and and do you think that he he fluffed his line somewhat? He came on and he had that um, immediate header, which he just didn't get a good connection on the chance late on. Which yeah, it was a hard chance, but I think. The, the commentators were sure he should have scored, or do you think he just had a good performance overall? He just didn't, didn't, just didn't take his chances. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. I, th- I don't think, I still don't think we created enough in that game with the amount of ball we had second half. I wouldn't say we had like endless chances and we were really knocking on the door. We were the better team, and mm. I think Glatzel is close to being exactly what we need up front. He, he, I think a little bit more polished, and he, he could really do a job for us and score a lot of goals. But I don't know. I don't know if it's lacking confidence or there's something missing. He's better than what we've got there, but it's not. It's not quite happening for him at the moment. He's like obviously better than Ward. Um, you can see he's technically better than Patterson, but something's not quite clicking. But um, I hope he just does next season. He doesn't seem to have <clears throat> quite that killer edge just yet, does he? I think like. He he scores some goals, and, and I think he has moments where he shows how good he can be as a finisher. But then, like you say, on uh, against Fulham, there was that header which he just didn't connect properly with, and um, it, it just has that 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 lacking that killer edge. Really, um, it was interesting. I, just, I wanted to look at while you were talking about Danny Ward and his his he had. Um, if you look at the, the stats from the game, um, all all attempts basically all shots. Danny Ward had one shot all game, and it was off target. Um, and he was he was bottom of the he he matched Michael Hector a Fulham centre half for shots on goal and and Cardiff's most attacking attacking players were Curtis Nelson and Lee Tomlin, which kind of you know it, it shows where the problems are, doesn't it, Ben? Yeah, uh, I, that actually proves that I thought Nelson had an absolute stormer. I thought Nelson was superb second leg. Um, I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll, come, we'll come to transfers later, but I was going to say, do you worry about Nelson maybe being eyed up by some Premier League teams? Not at the moment. Not at the moment. Tom's nodding. Uh, I'm saying I, not at the moment. I just don't think there's money in the championship. I don't think teams are going to spend money on championship players. If they're going to spend any money, they're going to go big transfers, sort of key name transfers, and focus money on one big transfer. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's that sort of signing. He's a sort of six, seven million pound signing that a promoted team would go for. That I don't think they'll sort of look at this year. They'll pick up people that are on freeze. Um, different circumstances and I would be worried about him um, I think he's really stepped up very quickly and I think there is another level to his game yeah but um, yeah right now I'm not worried that he'll go and if he does we'll get a good fee and might help us elsewhere but I think we'll be fine for him at the moment Morrison's well, my worry well we'll come back to we'll come back to transfers and contracts in a bit because I think we'll just round off the Fulham roundup and I think um, it's probably a question for both of you so let's start with you first Tom was it nice just to beat Fulham again yeah, I kind of forgot we did. I just kind of see it as a package of the playoff games. Yeah, yeah. So you don't really see it as a win. But yeah, it shows we can do it. Um, that, mind you, they, they've gone up now, so we're not going to play them anyway. But it's good that the, the hoodoo's kind of gone. And it, it was good to see that we can beat the better teams in the league um, and dominate possession and stuff. And I think that's what's been 
quite nice with the, the post-lockdown games is that we're starting to get a bit more ball. Um, we're kind of moving away from, like we're known as being a hoofball team to a lot of people who especially don't watch us. And we're definitely mm. moving in the right direction away from that now. Ben, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, Sky would do in my head and with the commentary. Oh, Christ, yeah. Um, just every two seconds showing the stats of Fulham being first for short passing and all of this and that's being bottom. And I was just... Yeah. Right, it, it, it come, I come back to that, and I was—I remember looking. They—they they had a game earlier in the season when they played when they played Neil Harris's Millwall. Ironically, I think it was very early in the season, and it was something like nine hundred and ninety-two passes that Fulham attempted in that game. It was almost a record, and I looked it up, and I think almost two-thirds of them were between their defenders. Yeah, or you know, and, and about sixty or sixty or ninety were between centre half to centre half, centre half to left back, centre half to right back, and then across the defence, and then defensive midfielders back and all that kind of stuff because yeah they, they play a lot of passes but a lot of them don't go anywhere do they? Ains passing doesn't really go anywhere it's just easy to deal with if you can just pin them back they're very yeah. patient with their play but I could not watch that we've said it before and we'll say it again I could not watch that all the time it would just fry my brain. And I, I just, it really annoys me that they were taught like all of this stuff of how good of a job Neil Harris has done. And there wasn't one mention on how they sort of changed the style in a way. It's not as pretty as Fulham do, Fulham play, but it's a lot more on the floor. But there's just such a stigma attached to Cardiff City. And it's not just Warnock. It's been, Cardiff have always been a pretty direct side. Probably mm. Dave Jones is probably the most like ticky tacker style football we've ever played. I think those stats were clouded, weren't they? Because the, they, they showed that we were bottom of passes, we were bottom of all that kind of stuff. And it was, uh, it was from when Harris took over. And yes, the first few months of Harris taking over weren't particularly brilliant football. But I just think there's no acknowledgement that things have improved since then, is there, Tom? No, definitely. I think it's a lot of people not watching us as well. Um, sometimes the, the punditry and commentary in the championship is a bit half-assed you feel like people are just kind of drafted in and they haven't really done their research they haven't really watched games yeah and there's, there's such a change from us from the start of the season to the end of it yeah and it's always the same clubs they know about it's like it's the west london clubs and stuff yeah. like that they don't really care outside of our little bubble and nobody really knows what's going on at cardiff and it, it was just telling in those games and it just nothing was really mentioned about like like ben said about the work that harris has done it is quite frustrating I'd rather watch a mute sometimes. Like, it's just, I'm just sick of, like, the kind of... It's the same in the Swans again, to be fair. It was all yeah. just Brentford, Brentford, Brentford. And, like, I obviously dislike Swansea, but even I was getting frustrated at the fact that they just weren't mentioning them at all and the job that, like, Cooper had done and stuff. It was just ridiculous. Well, I, 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 you know, I, I'm not one for, for the conspiracy theories, but Brentford and Fulham are, are very close to Isleworth, where Sky is, and, and Cardiff and Swansea are a long way down the M4, right? And I think maybe <laughs> maybe they just go and watch West London football clubs a little bit more than they watch the Welsh football clubs. Well, I can't say anything. Uh, I live in West London, so I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I live in East London, so I'm about as far away from both, really. Um, let's, let's take it all the way back to August now with a, a bit of a review of the season. And... Then it feels like a year ago because it literally is a year ago. That's how long ago the season started. Uh, uh, so Saturday the 3rd of August. What was that, sorry? I was oh so full of hope and wonder. Yeah, I mean, let's go back. Can you remember how you felt about the season starting? Obviously, the summer we'd spent a lot of money. We'd spent money on Flint, um, Vault, 
Ajax's uh, pack. We spent money on Glatzel. We spent money on who else did we sign? Uh, Nelson had come Nelson, in. Yeah, signed, I don't think we'd signed Glatzel at that point, did we? Oh uh, no, we hadn't actually. Glatzel was maybe a bit later on in the transfer window. But anyway, let's let's just take it back to the general start of the feeling, start of the season feelings. You know, we'd spent a bit of money over the summer. You, we we were excited, weren't we? I was buzzing. We just you got to remember we came off a t- dominating two 0 win at Old Trafford. Played some yeah. of the best stuff we've ever played under Warnock. Um, we're all excited about that Mendes Lang, um, Murphy, Bobby Reed partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, Etheridge is the best goalkeeper in the championship. Uh, we've got powerhouses at the centre back with um, Aidan Flint and Sean Morrison. Ten minutes yeah. in, Etheridge dives for a diving header outside of his box, ruptures his hamstring, and it all went to shit from there. I mean, if you look, if you look, it's quite funny. If you look at that, the, the starting lineup from that first first game of the season, it was Etheridge in goals. Peltier at right back, Flint and Morrison, Bennett, Bakuna, Rouse, Mendes Lang, Deckard over Reed, Murphy, and then up front, Gary Medine. Oh, I forgot about him. And then even, even the bench, you've got people like Day, Bogle, um, Gavin White, who seems to have disappeared. You know, it, it seems like a different team, doesn't it, Ben? It does. If that feels like such a long time. God, Gary Medine. And we all it's thought only, Gary Medine and Omar Bogle were going to be our great, great striking hopes. It's only, but, there, but there was a clamour for people to see Omar Bogle start, which I never got. I never No, would. and I, I think I've, I've said this in, uh, a number of times, and it's, it's, a, it's a classic Cardiff City psychology, I think, really. No player is as good as the idea of the player. And I think Bogle had like a, a pre-season where he'd scored a couple of goals in pre-season and looked, you know, looked like he'd put, been on the weights, basically. And everyone was like, he's going to be our striker this year because everyone had forgotten what he was like the year before. And because he hadn't played in a year, we were like, yeah, he's, he's class. He's obviously class. But <laughs> he, he wasn't, was he, Tom? No, we always do it. It's even with the Danny Ward effect, really. Isn't Danny it? Ward, Cause he, yeah, because he's not yeah. on the pitch. We're like, ah, oh, he must be a better option. Get him on, try something new. And it, we're a bit very optimistic around our like front men, and just completely forget how shite they've been in other games. Yeah, it's bizarre. I'm sure other clubs are the same, but it's just constant from our families. You know, I again, like I've I come in, I come in for some stick because of my views on Danny Ward, and I, I like Danny Ward. He's he's a good footballer, but the whole idea of Danny Ward is built around the fact that he wasn't Kenza Hall last season. And when Kenza Hall would play, we would sing Danny Danny Ward, and Danny Ward had what, as I remember it, one good game last year against Arsenal, and he scored that goal. And then apart from that, I don't think he had an impact. No, he was good against Arsenal, though. To be fair, he was very good <laughs> against Arsenal, but that was yeah. his first appearance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we're talking about this season. We're talking about this season. Um, yeah, things felt very different at the start of the year, didn't they? And I think we, we, we had assumed, and I bet I don't know if you were the same, but I think there was a quiet confidence that we were going to go straight back up, right? Um, yeah, I thought it was between us, Fulham and Leeds for the top three. I really did. I thought we had a strong team designed to go back up. Yeah, we were missing Victor Camarasa, who's probably our most influential player last year, but Bobby Reed. Handsome. Oh, very true. <laughs> His Instagram. Oh. oh, it's beautiful. He's having a lovely time on holiday at the moment. Gorgeous. Exactly. Looks uh, lovely. Tom, did you, think, did you think Automatic was on the cards as well? I thought, I thought we'd be in and around it. Um, I, I, I didn't think we'd get automatic, but I thought we'd be around like that third, fourth position. As mm-hmm. quietly confident we'd be there or thereabouts. I thought like teams like Bristol City would have more of a shot than they did. Um, but like when you had the likes of Leeds, Fulham, and West Brom, it was always going to be difficult. 
but we just got off to such a kind of bad start that it kind of yeah, I just, I just, just the, drained those first couple of games, and I think for me it was it was the third game where things started going wrong. Obviously, the first game we lost to Wigan three two, and it was a bit of a, you could say it was a bit of a freak game. Etheridge went off injured. Um, it, it was you know Day came on and had he couldn't really do anything about the three goals really as, as I remember it. Or if he was on for the three goals, there were there were two really good strikes in there. Beat Luton then two one with the last minute goal from Isaac Cassell, who's currently on holiday with um, Sean Morrison and Joe Rouse. Um And then I remember the third game of the season, thinking that we were in trouble because we went to Reading. And we just we just got battered by Reading 3-0. And it was, I remember it being one of the worst performances in years that I'd ever seen. Um, they just signed that Puskas uh, from Inter Milan, spent sort of six, seven million quid on him. And it was, of course, he scored two goals against us. Um, but we just looked, I don't know if either, I was at the game. And it just felt, it felt like things were becoming toxic at the club at that time, Ben. I don't know if yeah, you agree. It, it very quickly went bad. Um a lot of fans had a bad taste in their mouth from the sale of Bobby Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, that really did not help the situation. Um, yeah, I think it was just it was just not a nice place to be. Twitter was more toxic than it normally is. Mm-hmm. It was just all just the fans sort of all that hope disappeared very very quickly. Um, a few underwhelming performances, and suddenly everyone we went from a team that could be real contenders to, oh, we're relegation. So some of us think we're relegation fodder. We're going to do a Stoke. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's sort of, Warnock suddenly went from the best thing in the world to a dinosaur. And um, I mean, I, I'm looking back over the stats from that game and I was at the game and I remember thinking it was, it was an utterly woeful, woeful performance. But if you look at the stats, the main, you know, top line stats, possession, pretty equal, 52-48%, the cursed ratio. Shots, uh, 14 each. On target, we had one more shot on target than them almost even on corners and we just fouled them a lot more and Tom it kind of I don't know if you if, if you remember that game it just kind of felt like it just felt like it wasn't going to be our year yeah it was like the, the kind of nature of the like the defeat the, the body language of players and stuff and it just didn't seem right mm-hmm. um, and so early in the season for it to look so wrong on the pitch was just a bit worrying and it, it just it looked like people weren't buying into the ideas anymore I think mm-hmm. we probably got used to losing in the Premier League as well. And it, it does have a hangover effect when you drop into another league. It, it becomes a habit when you lose games. And you just felt at that point, it's, like, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, I, I do. I distinctly remember being at that game and thinking that it, something wasn't right because I think Volk started the game and he looked, you know, Volk has had a really good set. You know, since Harris has come in, Volk has been one of our better performances. But in that game, he just looked out of like a fish out of water and I don't know if that was because of the way he was being played by Warnock if something had gone on behind the scenes or if he just wasn't on 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 you know what's the word on the ball just yet because he'd come in in the summer Nelson came on and had to play right back and people were writing him off straight away I even remember at one point I think Callum Patterson came on with half an hour to go and I think Patterson at that point he did look off the pace um I don't think he looked particularly fit but the abuse that he was getting from the crowd, considering he was our best striker, weirdly, last season in the Premier League, was it just it just struck me really that, that Cardiff fans had already given up at that point. And then, you know, the, after that game, I think we were looking, it didn't look great, but then we beat Huddersfield. I'm just literally flicking through all these results now. We beat Huddersfield, drew with Blackburn, drew with Fulham, um, which I think was almost like a turning point. Um, but looking at the results, I think losing those two games kind of set the tone for the, for the rest of Warnock's reign, didn't it, Ben? Yeah, the bad feeling never left really, did it? No. It was always sort of, even during wins, it was still, the wins weren't the most convincing at times. It was just a case of, 
it was all just steering. I think Warnock got a sense of that, and that sort of led to his departure after the after the uh, two derbies. Um, it was just yeah, just that bad feeling never really left. Um, we're a fan base that sort of seem to like a grumble. We don't seem yeah. to let shit go easily. So um, we took our opportunity to <clears throat> carry that over and it sort of really did feel negative. I think it felt so negative. I think a lot of the players felt it as well on the pitch. It was the first time I think some players had felt that. It's not really a new experience for players like Morrison and those that were there in the Slade Trollop era. But players like uh, Hoylet, Bamba, um, Etheridge, they wouldn't have really felt that sort of disheartened feeling from the crowd and I think it really sort of affected the players as much as it affected the fans. No, and it's weird because I'm looking I'm looking through the results now and obviously in September we meant in September we had three games, but we were unbeaten in September. Then we go into October and we beat QPR three 0 We lost to West Brom four two. Drew drew one over Sheffield it was a good game, yeah. Drew one over but Sheffield Wednesday. Flattered us to that West Brom game. Yeah, because two goals back. It was two goals back in the last ten yeah. minutes. Yeah. Drew and Millwall. It's like we weren't if you look at it, we weren't really losing that many games. And then obviously, Tom, we get to the end of October and we go to Swansea and, and lose 1-0 in probably one of the worst derby performances we, we've seen in years. We were at the game, Tom, and it, it, it felt really nasty at the end of that game, didn't it? Yeah, we just didn't take any of those games with a scruff of the neck. Like We, we, we just didn't get in and amongst it. Like that Swansea game, we just didn't look in it. For a derby game, it took like walls to kick someone in like, the 85th minute for yeah. the only bit of niggle in the whole game. And when you've got Warnock as a manager, you expect niggle, especially in a derby. You expect something. And it just, it just wasn't there. It's not like Swansea were that good. It's just we were completely shit back in. It was so frustrating to watch. We were really poor. And I remember, I remember the players coming over at the end of the game to kind of, you know, clap the fans. And I've never seen such a... It was everyone to the point was just going, fuck off, like, thing, you know, middle yeah. fingers up and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, that was the first time I've really seen... You know, you get one or two people per per game and stuff but I've never seen it was almost like 2,000 people in the away end and every one of us was doing it it was it felt really horrible and I think that was that was the beginning of the end I mean the beginning of the end for Warnock seemingly was the start of the season but Ben that just felt like he couldn't recover from that could he? No and I think he knew that the tide was turning um, Warnock's always had a special relationship with the fans um, at Cardiff and that's sort of why he's such an affinity to the club that the fans mm-hmm. sort of made it more than anything and um, I think when he's felt that, right, this is turning now, it's time to time to leave. Um, yeah, it was just, it's a difficult one to recover. There's not many managers that can recover from a Derby Day loss, especially one where we were the favourites and one that we just didn't perform in. We went into that game with such high expectations. As a, like, we're expecting a Muscat moment, aren't we, really? That's what we're sort of thinking back to. Yeah, That's what yeah. Derby. That's what Muscat, that. Didn't happen at all. It was just and flat. Then, Even Warnock on the bench was flat, though. That's the yeah, thing. yeah. That was the talent thing, actually. It's just like Warnock's lack of emotion on the sideline, and I think he knew the end was coming, and he knew he had to get out to his leg because he wasn't sustained. I just and think it was, it was everything, wasn't it, with Warnock? You sort of look back at from the Salah situation right through to the Chelsea goal, and the way we were relegated, and then sort of I don't think things were too rosy behind the scenes with players leaving. I think he was just knackered. You've got to remember, what, I think so. was he 70 years old at the time? 71, I think, yeah. 71 now. It's just, it's a long time. It's it's a lot for a man of that age to sort of deal with and probably just couldn't be arsed with it. 
Yeah, I, I th- you know, I think, I think the, the summer, I, th- I think you're right. The, the Salah stuff was, I, I remember thinking during that January when obviously all the Salah stuff had, had happened and he just didn't look like the same person. I think it, it really affected him. Which, you know, you, it's understandable, really. And I think it was only... And I, I think he should have gone in the summer. I think, you know, we, cu- we come back to it. And I think he shouldn't really have been given... I think they should have had an honest conversation with him. And they should have said, how long do you think you can stay before they gave him any of the money that he spent? Because he spent a lot of money. You forget, we, you know, we spent 5 million Glatzel and Flint. We spent, uh, if the reports are to be believed, 4 million on um, Pack. Um, we spent quite a bit of money on Volks. I think it was about 1.6 million. Um, and they're just the players I can remember. I think Gavin, Gavin White might have been a million quid as well. So, you know, that's, that's a fair amount of money there. Yes, he got money in, but without, you know, if, if we didn't believe that he was going to be around for the long haul, I don't think we should have given him that sort of money because now we're going to be stuck with players like Aidan Flint who, you know, will come to transfers properly, but clearly isn't fancied by Harris and clearly isn't getting a look in. Um, I think, you know, the, before, we, before we get into transfers and everything else, I think we should probably just do like a, another rapid season. Obviously, Harris came in November time and I think we, we probably weren't doing the podcast around then but Ben what were your honest opinions when we, we got Harris in were you were you happy or were you a bit um deflated by the, the appointment uh me and Scott spoke about it and um both of us were a bit underwhelmed mm-hmm. um I, I think everyone was let's face it no one was really wanting Neil Harris to come in um I think I put a tweet out at the time saying oh god not Neil Harris and then Mark Hughes became favorite and then it was over <laughs> so um yeah, um, everyone was a bit underwhelmed with what was going on. No one, I think it was just still a lot of bad feeling as well with the fans, wasn't there? Um, yeah. And I think that carried over and took a long time for even Harris to get over. Um, yeah. Everyone was underwhelmed. No one really fancied it and fancied him doing much. Some people sort of felt it was a Russell Slade-esque appointment, cost-cutting, cheap option, easy option. And um, yeah, we've all been made to eat our words, haven't we, really? Well, one man who hasn't been made to eat his words is Tom Phillips. Um, I thought it was the right his hand. Yeah, I thought it was the right appointment from the start, really. I, I quite like him because he did a miraculous job, really, with very little money in Millwall. Yeah. And he brought a lot of youth into the team. They played some decent stuff considering the personnel he had. And I think our fans sometimes think we're going to get Mourinho's and stuff in, like in terms of like big name managers. And we're, we're not that club. And he just seemed, and he's got a bit of an unfair reputation of being like, a Warnock 2.0, and he's just not. He's not even close to that. I think it's just because he's called Neil. But like, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought it was a good appointment. And it, to be fair, like people like him now, and the fact that the fans do shows how much he's done because people weren't having him, and it's been a oh, very difficult right. season for him to come out of it looking like he has. Is fantastic, really. I mean, he he came in, and obviously there was this one result aside where we lost. We managed to contrive to lose six one on um, New Year's Day to QPR. But apart from that, he's uh, the records will show. I think he's only lost four games. Um, he, he's made a solid at home, and I think he he's done. A, you know, you you can look at the verdict and everything else. He's done a good job, hasn't he, Ben? He's done a fantastic job. We went from not winning away away from home under Warnock to I think we've got the second best away record in the league. Yeah, yeah. Well, that might just think, be in, since he's been there. I can't remember the stat I saw. Well, the, 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 form, the form tables, I think, since he arrived, puts us in the top five. Um, I looked it up last week. We're ahead of teams like, um, I think we're just ahead of West Brom in the form table since Harris came in. Um, and before that, we were 14th. When Warnock was there, we were 14th in the table in the form table. When Harris came in, we, we jumped up to fifth. But we've also, it's not just a case of like the results being good. We've scored a lot of goals. There's not too many teams mm. who scored more goals than us this year. Considering we've not got a player... I don't think we'd play over ten goals, which means the team the goals are spread amongst the team. Mm-hmm. I think 
fifth or sixth for goals scorers, like goals. It's like for a team that plays sort of a more direct style, as everyone likes, as all the pundits like to say. Again, it's another feature that sort of goes un- unnoticed by us. Is it's there's a lot of goals. It's it is fun to watch at times. Just looking at February I'm, I'm uh, yeah, January February side. I'm looking at our top scorers now. So you've got Tomlin on nine, then you've got Murphy Ward Glatzel on eight, then you've got Rawls Hoylett Patterson on seven, and then Flint Volks Morrison. Um, Flint's on five, Volks and Morrison are on four. Um, considering you'd say that Patterson, Hoylett, Glatzel, Ward, even Murphy haven't had the best of seasons, obviously Ward off the bench, they, they've all managed to pitch in with some goals, haven't they, Tom? And do you think the problem is that we just don't have that? 20 goal a season striker we need to convert one of those into that 20 goal a season striker maybe Aiden Flint <laughs> <laughs> we've just been crying out for that strike haven't we for about 10 years yeah. now and it just we just we just can't solve that problem because if we had that striker then we'd be running not running away with the league but we'd be well amongst the automatic race and we mm-hmm. just can't seem to get it right but we're not going to spend ridiculous money we're not going to have a player like a Mitrovic or anything like that we just need a bit of luck that something clicks up front. But yeah, like, like you said, it's a shade. We, we have got goals all over the pitch. And, you know, we've got tricky wingers. We've got defenders who score from set pieces. We've got midfielders who chip in every now and again. So if you could just add that striker in, then we're over on to a winner. Um, before we move on to the kind of looking ahead to next year, I think we should we should look back a little bit more into this season and just kind of a couple of a couple of questions that I've got for you guys. We'll, we'll do player of the year later because there's a few tweets about it. But um, who was your kind of most disappointing player this year? Let's start with you, Ben. Oh, um, I will probably go with Aidan Flint. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us expected a big partnership between him and Morrison, and it's just not worked out. It's one of those moves that's just not worked out for either side. He's not getting a look in. I say it's not worked out for him. He's on a fucking wedge. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he just in Bristol. His, and he's just growing his hair, playing best mates, yeah. best mates with Marlon Pack next door. So he's doing all right out of it. But um, football-wise, it's not really worked out for either side. And it's been a bit of a disappointment. So, yeah, I'll go with Flint. Tom? David White? Why mm-hmm. is he? What, what is he? <laughs> <laughs> what is Gavin White? What is <laughs> the question for the ages? Yeah. But what is Gavin? Like, there's a lot of effort from him, a lot of running about, but I just, he's not really... He, has he a looks a bit overawed, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he can't, he's not really, like, he's not going to get you goals. He doesn't really yeah. offer that much defensively. Oh, no, I think that's harsh. I think he offers a lot. He offers, his defensive side is where he's probably best. He's there, but I don't think he just I, does... I, I, I'm going with you on this one, Tom. I don't really understand this clamour for him to be a right-back. No, I don't get that either. It's because he can't do what we've tried so far. So I'll try him somewhere else then. It's just yeah. not because he's any, any good at anything. I feel sorry for him because he, he seems a nice lad. He's, he, like, he does try his guts up, but it just he's just not good enough, really. I'm going to go with um, my most disappointing player this year is Neil Etheridge. Um, I think uh, the season he had last year into this season, um, it was just... It kind of he looks like a different player, doesn't he? he? Looked like a shell of himself at the start. Yeah, I knew he was injured, but then he came back against Swansea, and against Swansea, he just looked absolutely bereft of confidence. And um, you know, I'm I'm quite happy that Smithies has been able to be given the chance because Smithies does look brilliant. But from the season that Etheridge had last year to the season he's had this year, it's it's quite a step down, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. Fair show. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, right, uh, coming off the back of that, who's the one player that you, you'd see, you'd like to happily see the back of? Um, it could be the same player, or I've, I, you know, I'll start this one off by saying I want to see the back of Marlon Pack. 
Um, I've just really got it in for him. I'm sure he's yes, a nice guy. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's had his good moments. But if we can replace him with a bit more of a dynamic, you know, Gunnison-style character who's got a bit more legs than Marlon Pack, then I, I, would, I would do that. Ben, Tom, who are you going to get rid of? Go on, Tom, you go first on this one. Um, I wouldn't like to see the back of Gavin White because he doesn't really... <laughs> He's like a nice lad. He, he, yeah, he, he, can just, he can hover around, it's fine. Um, probably something like Flint, doesn't it, really? Because the, the wages he's having, he's not really... Well, he's not playing now. So with him and Pack combined, probably both of them could leave and we wouldn't really see a drop-off in performances. It wouldn't really affect us. And it'd, it'd free up a bit of cash to get someone else in. So yeah, probably mm-hmm. Flint or Pack, really. Ben? Uh, I'm going to go with Murphy. Um, I'm just bored of wondering what if. It's the Kenzo oh, horse. Wow. It's, the, it's the Kenzo horse situation of just how many chances wow. can we get before we realise that he's not a dud, but it's just not happening for him here. Did you not hear what I just said? He scored eight goals in a bad season. But <laughs> this this should be it's eleven million pounds. Eleven it's, million pounds in a player that sort of vanishes for about a million pounds a goal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do I do know where you're coming from with that. Um, do you not think, because he's still what, still in his early 20s, do you not think he's worth another year under a new manager just to see what he gets out of him? Possibly, but he's had chances and hasn't really... Uh, no, sorry, uh, not delivered. At times, he's been fantastic. There was that sort of run during the FA Cup yeah, where I'm like, oh, yes, he's back. He's the player we want. But then he'll vanish again. I know wingers are very up and down with their performances, but not at the speed that uh, sort of Murphy is. Mm-hmm. And this, I'm not one of those people that sort of says he's a shit player. He's one of those players that needs, he's, he's a terrible waste of money. Cause I don't think he is. I think he's the most talented footballer we got in the squad alongside Tomlin. It's just a case that we can't rely on that to happen once every six games. Do you, do you think there's a case, um, and this probably leads into the next question of players you back to shine next year. If you, Murphy showed against Huddersfield, against Middlesbrough, that he's probably our best finisher, right? He's a very natural finisher when he gets through on goal. And you say that he's probably our next best talented player behind Tomlin. Would you like to see him kind of moulded into more of a, a Tomlin-style role? Um, instead of being on a wing away, he has to kind of maybe do, defend a little bit more. Just give him that free role that Tomlin has and see what happens. Yeah, if that's something that works and sort of gets the best out of him, then yeah, then it's worth keeping him. But you can probably get a few million for him in a situation where we haven't got much money and we sort of need to bring some bodies in. Is it a case of getting rid of getting rid of Murphy will help the team more elsewhere? And this, I don't, I don't want to be too negative on him because I met him on Mill Lane the other week and he's, he really yeah. seems like bereft of confidence. Yeah, you're just I absolutely that, adding to it, Ben. I know. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Ben. <laughs> yeah. I, him, I, I went to give him a hug because I was pissed and then forgot, you know, you can't touch people anymore. But, um, He's just like a lovely, he was a lovely guy, just really, really shy. And I don't know if he just needs to sort of come out of his shell a bit or if there's stuff going on personally or what it is or whether it's just a case of the move will be best for all parties. But I don't know, I just don't have, I've got the same feeling of him as with a horse towards the end of, he's just not going to come good. Tom, did we ask you who you were going to get rid of? You said Flint, didn't you? I said yeah. Flint and Park. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was just, I was so lost in Ben's words that I forgot what you said. Um, <laughs> and I suppose that leads, <clears throat> moving on to the, the, the next kind of logical juncture, which is transfers and, and the, the weird transfer window that we have ahead of us. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I was going to say, what do you see happening? But there's, there seems to be a, a, a certain transfer in, in Kiefer Moore. 
Um, it's rumbling on at the moment, but apparently all the, all the talk says that we're his ideal destination. Um, he, he wants to come to us. And we've had a bid accepted. There's talk that Sanderson might return and, and people desperately seem to want us to sign Tom Lockyer from, from Charlton. Um, if, if those three are confirmed or if those three are coming in, Ben, what, what else do you see happening? Who else would you like to sign? Uh, we need another right back. Um, even with Sanderson, I think we need another right back. He's young. We saw the mistake at Fulham million in the mm-hmm. season, sort of knocked his confidence a bit. Um, we need covering that position badly. Um, who else? Well, do you I think he's need... on a free? <sighs> I, I can't think. Yeah, that was back, wouldn't it? Um, but I can't think of who would come in, sort of the players that are available. Um, I think we'll have to spend a bit of money there. And I also think we need a sense, uh, central defensive midfielder, sort of an arrogant, not an arrogant mold, but an arrogant stylish player, but not be as good. If that mm. makes sense. Tom? Yeah, I think the right back things. I, th- I think Sanderson's far from being a finished product himself, so you can rely on him for a full season. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say we need a striker, but I'm hoping Glatzel comes good. Unlike, but if, but if, that's what Kiefer Moore comes in as well. Cause, yeah. Because he's, I think he's a better footballer than people give him credit for as well. He's not just a tall bloke up front. I think he could work as a front two in a way. Mm-hmm. So that, that, because there is moments that he might be, I'm burrowing for him now as well, I think. I think, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be for everyone. QPR, Borough, Millwall, Borough, us. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember who else, but yeah, there's about six or seven teams in here. Derby, I think, even were linked with him. Stoke <laughs> apparently joined the queue. Um, I've been nervous about Stoke. I think they'll do quite well next year. Sam Vokes is just there going, oh, I'm not fucking him again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Middlesbrough battling out. This is the Daily Mail story from yesterday. Middlesbrough battling out with QPR for Wigan Athletic striker Kiefer Moore. Um, bids from both clubs, uh, and he's taking time to consider his decision. Um, so, do you think do you think your man Kiefer Moore is the direct replacement for Danny Ward, who does you know coming coming back to players who might be leaving? Danny Ward does seem to be on his way out back to Huddersfield, um, or would you sign someone else on top of that as well? Uh, to either of you, who who answers first? Let's go with Ben. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, what are the options? Because um, we've got for Isaac Gasell, and if he can get fit, yeah, then there's the sort of quick, pacey striker. You've just got to rely on him to be fit, which seems to be an impossible task at the moment. Um, my only worry with Kiefer Moore and Glatzel is, are they a bit too similar? In a um, way. I don't know much about Kiefer Moore, I must admit, but Tom, you, you I think, he, I think Wales, Kiefer Moore right? holds, the, holds the ball up a lot better than Glatzel does, to be fair. Um, sort of his back facing to goal, which could bring people like Tomlin more. They, they, they do offer different things. But... Again, with them looking at Patterson, it's it's a strange. Look at Patterson. No, I mean, are we looking? Are we looking at Patterson staying as a striker again? Are we concerned with that? Um, I I think Patterson's had a bad year this year, but um, I think he's suffered more than anyone really with this kind of change, almost change. You know, Tomlin coming in and um, actually having a striker who can play football because I think Patterson's filled the void. But I was I was watching. Every championship goal we scored in 2018 the other night because I'd had a beer and that's what I do. <laughs> and um, Patterson, in that first season, Patterson scored some very good goals that were very instinctive. And I just think we need to get that back out of him, right? I think, you know, this is straying away from transfers and everything else, but Patterson is a very instinctive footballer. And there were some of those goals he scored in the first year where he was snapping at volleys that 
the ball was coming to him, the ball was coming across to him, and he was just not thinking and, and slamming it home. And I, I don't know how we can get that back, really. If, if Tomlin's filling in that role behind the strikers and we're playing an actual striker, where does Patson fit in? I think that's the, the question around Patson, really, isn't it? Just don't let him think, is pretty much what you're saying. Essentially, put him, yeah. Put, put him in a situation where he could just react. Him and Mendes Lang, they don't need to think as footballers because they're yeah, so good when they just react. Yeah, because Mendes Lang, if he's got time, he's not going to do much with it, really. He kind of panics yeah. a little bit. There's no way yeah. to But if he's put in a situation where he's got to react quickly, does marvellous things with the ball. <laughs> he's a genius, especially Genius, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess talking about transfers, but we've also got contracts. Obviously, Ward is potentially potentially heading out. We, I don't think we've seen the, the retained list just yet, but we're obviously expecting, you know, We've already got rid of the, the main people who are out of contract. And I think Ward was the only one who signed a, a short-term deal. Um, what, what do you expect anything to happen there with, with the contracts? Obviously, Brad Smith was here um, then and he, he was on loan for six months and had zero impact. Do you expect to see him back or do you think we've got enough cover at left-back now with Bennett and Cunningham? Um, it depends if the club are looking to offload either, either Cunningham or Bennett, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I think Cunningham probably would command a fee. It's a move that's not, again, it's another move that hasn't really worked out through either side. Um, coming back from an injury though a club going to take a risk um, but if we're keeping those two that's not two bad options at left back and I'd like to see Cunningham sort of get a bit of a run to be honest sort of give Bennett a break and sort of pull him back into line um, but no I don't expect to see Smith come back truthfully even, even on free I, I don't use up too much is he no it's a weird one isn't it it'd be, sign, it'd be signing for depth but then you wouldn't really want him anyone either pitch I do wonder if, I, I, obviously at the, at the time we only had, um, when he signed, we only really had Bennett at left back, didn't we? So we signed him as this, um, I, it feels like to me it was kind of signing him on loan for six months and, and in, in the view of signing him on a free transfer if, if he's any good. But he was obviously, and I don't think he's been to this podcast, he was shite, wasn't he? He had that one game where he came on and he looked completely off the pace. But I don't even think he played left back for us. It was Brad Smith when he came on. Yeah, I don't think I think every, I think near enough every time he came on, he came in at left and field to sure sort of oh, stop I people mean, coming coming down that side. I genuinely can't think of a time where he came in at left back, which makes it even more confusing. Yeah, he's yeah. just don't, he's not trusted with doing the job he's meant to do. No, so. I wonder. I wonder if he'll end up back in America or something like that because he seemed to have a good run at Seattle. Well, Sounders yeah. love the Sounders fans loved yeah. him. I thought we were signing the next Messi the way they were fucking going on. <laughs> No, we were signing as someone who was very messy. Hey, um, I did that up. Yeah, no, I keep it in, mate. <laughs> um, and obviously, looking ahead to next year as well, um, we're we're still waiting for our new kit. Um, I think that the championship, um, uh, obviously being delayed, has seen everyone delay their kits a little bit. When do you think you'll see the new kit, Ben? Do you think you'll see it in the next week or so? I thought we'd see it last last week. I really did. I thought it'd be the sort of thing to pump out, sort of get the fans a bit buzzing again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real strange one that the club... It's the club, though, in it? Again, I'm going to go on at the media team. It's just a bit of fucking communication. The fans are asking, Where's the, when are we seeing the kit? Just post a graphic, kit launch, this date. Fuck me, how difficult is it? Well, they, might not, they might not know. That's, <laughs> they might know yeah. that's the thing, our club, like, we've got previous of kits where they're not coming out. We haven't had sponsors on them. Yeah. We don't know what's happening. Oh, King like 777. Yeah, like King 777, yeah. And then what was it, Leaks and Kenthorn and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, in defence of the club, obviously there's so much, so everything's been delayed and there's so much going on at the moment. And I think, I, I, do, I do agree, given a date and saying, let's try and get it out. But I just think there's, you know, the season ticket stuff's going on. 
there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes in terms of, you know, I was speaking to a Wickham fan last week who said that their club are preparing for about quarter of the capacity at the start of the year. And I bet there's just, and they need a break. Oh, no, I, I get there's a lot going on, but kits are decided at Christmas time. The club mm. will sit down with Adidas and go, Adidas will present some templates, right? These are the options we're giving you available to you. Pick your favourite. Yeah. So it's all ordered, all there at Christmas time. So they know, right, we're getting a delivery. It's not like a few years ago, I think, Watford had an issue where the container coming from China fell off the... Um, <laughs> this genuinely happened. The container, <laughs> container, like, hits, uh, like their container with a few other kits fell off the boat and they lost their kits and they were like three months behind. That's understandable. That caused coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was uh, a bat... And then there was a bat. Um, Tom, do you think do you think part of it is if the if the kit goes on sale now, you'll have had the club asking fans for season tickets where they won't even be sure that they can even go to games. Then they want them to buy a fifty quid kit in order to to kind of support the club. Do you think there's some considerations over that that they're waiting for perhaps closer to payday to announce things and and launch things, or do you think? Well, Ben's shaking his head, but Tom, I'm asking Tom this one. Tom, do you think that comes into it? No, I think you're giving them too much credit there. Um, you just play devil's advocate. Yeah, I know you are. But like, I think people don't see kits as like another expense. They actually like the launch of it. They like seeing the new shiny thing. So it's not quite the same thing as forking out like 300 quid for a season ticket. People almost see it as like a like a, a break from it all, really. And I think it appeases fans a kit. And I think the quicker mm. they can get out, the better, really. Especially with the shitstorm around season tickets and people not knowing what's happening it's a yeah. nice little deflection so yeah. i think if they could get it out as soon as they could they would do you know what i mean but as long as i want to the causeway sports one it's fine no i think we're adidas for another year because we're using yeah. the away kit from last year as our now third kit so third the orange kit, kit goes yeah. to our Again, third yeah. kit so we'll have a new home and away this year i mean the templates look nice i don't know if you you've seen them but we, we, we there's talk we'll have a similar template to leicester which is a kind of the v-neck with the cuffs on the sleeve um, mm. i think they look quite nice i think we could have a smart kit out of it um i would just yeah I, I i didn't buy last year's kit i was going to try and buy it when it went on sale but it sold out super quick and you can only get extra small now and i am not an extra small man um, you can confirm so, that yeah, confirm that um so i was hoping to be able to get a kit sooner rather than later so yeah I, I i want to see the kit as well um and i guess there's, there's a question there as well because i think there's talk that this is our last year with adidas and um, looking around the leagues i've seen some nice kits from hummel I think Macron mm. are doing a good job this year. Ben, would you would you like to stay with Adidas or would you like to go somewhere where they give us a bit more thought into our kits? Because Hummel seems to be doing quite a lot of ranges for people like Bristol and Southend that are really nice. I'm a massive kit nerd. I sort of spend far too much time on shirts like footy headlines that show, show every kit. Same here, footballshirtculture.com. Yeah, footballshirtculture, <laughs> yep. Far too much time. My missus hates it. I've got bags up, up in the attic of just full of football kits, I, like of just random teams. I've got like a Botswana away kit from like 2005. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those dickheads. Um, Tom, I know Tom is as well. I was really excited. <laughs> yeah. I was really excited to start with with Adidas, you know, getting away from Causeway Sports. And the first few kits, when like all the kits have been decent, to be fair. But I'm really bored of getting the same templates. Like when we get the same template as Watford's away kit, mm-hmm. it really bugs me. Well, um, the, the, you know, the weird thing about this year was obviously we had the same kit as Wolves away, uh, Wolves home. Sorry. So when you go on the Adidas website, you can buy the Cardiff shirt, and it says alternative colors, and it gives the Wolves shirt. Wolves shirt, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> not alternative colors. All, That's a different club. <laughs> all team wear, all team wear is just one of those, isn't it? It's the same for. I think the only yeah. non-team wear kit we've got was the Premier League kit. I think we went. I don't think that one came out as a team wear option. Um. 
No, the away kit was, wasn't it? Because the yeah. away kit was like Aberdeen and everyone else. Um, the home kit so, was yeah. the away one. But I think the, there's two that I'd love for us to go with. One is Umbro, because I think they've done some really nice kits. Yeah, yeah. Umbro. But I don't think Hummel have released a bad kit in about four years. Some of the Hummel, stuff... Hummel, Hummel's new stuff is really smart. Oh, really the, smart. Have you seen Coventry's third kit from last year? The black and... Yeah, the, the specials themed one. Yeah, the two yeah. total oh, one, yeah. My yeah. God. Something like I wanted to buy that just for me and <laughs> it's, it's fine. Yeah. Uh Tom, do you do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, um Adidas has got to be same me, isn't it? Um mm-hmm. I think it's we've got to be careful though, because at least you kinda of know what you're getting and it's not gonna yeah. be too horrific. We could end up with something I've seen Paul Vale's new kit where Robbie Williams has got in on the act um on designing it. it it's um, Aria. Robbie Williams has got any act on his... Oh, Aria, yeah, yeah. Did, like, they're, that's they're horrific. That new kit is awful. It's just kind of like, you don't want to end up with something like that. But oh, it Jesus was, Christ. Yeah, <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? He's well, buying I mean, kit again, isn't he? Well, no, it's worse than that, mate. He's a Pizzagate truther. So Robbie Williams is big on the old American conspiracy theories. Nice. But like, um, yeah, Hummel... Oh, it's like, terrible. It's I'm awful, isn't it? Well. Yeah. <laughs> But um, like, like Newport have got a nice new kit out of them as well, haven't they, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It would be nice to see us jazz it up a little bit because they, they do, like, like they kind of blend into one of the kits we've had for the last three or four years. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're all the same. And like like you said, we haven't got much freedom around design and stuff. Um, we're only allowed like two kits and then we use the third kit from the year before because we're not a big enough club to have a third kit off Adidas. So it'd be nice to have a little bit more flexibility. I do remember, and this is this might be me barking up the wrong tree. During the World Cup, there was a all the kits in the World Cup of 2018 were very plain. They were kind of two, you know, they were blue shirt, blue shorts. There wasn't very mismatching, and they were all the shirts were quite plain compared to previous World Cup kits. If you go back to 2002, I remember the South Korea shirt had the kind of white lines across it and all that kind of stuff. And there was talk that it was because of television, and that in HD and the new ways of broadcasting, those single block color kits. And the, the, the kind of plain patterns look better on HDTV and come across in a more clear way on the television. So I wonder if that's where this kind of appetite for plainer kits has come from. No, because Nigeria sort of blew that out of the water with their kit for the World Cup, didn't they? They did, yeah. But I think they were the kind of, they were the outlier within yeah, that. Yeah, um, that's why I, I only, so much. I only remember hearing it on during the commentary in one game and I could have completely got the wrong end of the stick. I, you know, I often do. But I do remember them saying something about that. And I just wondered if it was why we're, we're seeing more and more playing kits. I'll ask you this one, Ben, because Tom's just disappeared. He's back now. He's putting his headphones back on. Um, I think we'll touch on the wider league before we move into the Twitter stuff to round off the podcast. Um, next year, next season's going to be weird, isn't it, Ben? Next year's going to be tough. You think it's going to be tough? I think it is. I think you look at the teams that have come down. There are some... like There's no way Watford owners aren't going to spend a ton of cash to try and get them back up. Do you think, or do you think, think they're just going to? I think they're going to sort of or, or flush from like Udinese and they sort of yeah, use the loans, loans, loans. Well. Will be but what them. what I was going to say was, I, I do know where you're coming from. But what I was going to say was, do you not see them just moving their players around a little bit, and you know they'll get some some crap alone players from like Granada and Udinese, and it could go one of the. It, that's why I see it as it could go either way. I don't know. I think that so de- their owners will be so desperate to get them back up that that they'll look to do a bit of work there. Um, I don't think uh, you can never tell what Norwich are going to do. Like they were really yeah. good the year before. Um, Bournemouth are another mystery. I think they're going to lose a lot of players, but then I'll leave them with a lot of cash to sort of bring some decent people in. And then you've also got other teams that sort of 
they've been a bit disappointed. I don't think Brentford will be too far away again if they can keep hold of a few players. I do forget. I did forget Brentford were coming down as well. I think, I think there's some real good teams coming into this league, and I think the league, because I, I, I personally, I don't know about you guys feel, but I think the championship's quite weak this year. I think when you see teams like Swansea finish, and to be fair, us as well after the season we've had, mixed season we've had, finishing the playoffs. Um, I don't think it's been as strong as it has in previous years. Yeah, I think outside of the top three, three yeah. four teams, I think it was kind of a lot of average teams. But I'm a little, I think I'm not that nervous about kind of the teams coming down. I'm nervous around teams like Stoke, Forest, yeah. like Derby, just Bristol, who've got a bit of cash. They're going to strengthen. And I think they, they're going to be our. I think it's it's good that like something like Wednesday might they get the points deduction and stuff because I think they they wouldn't be far off. And yeah, I think I'm looking at the table <clears> to make sure they're already bottom on minus twelve, which is quite nice to see. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's it's those types of teams. I'm not worried about the ones coming up or coming down. It's the ones who are already there with us strengthening. I think I think that's going to be our main worry. Are there, are there are there questions over teams like Birmingham? Obviously, Birmingham have had a, a shocker this year, but they've they they've clearly gone for it now by get bringing in Karanka. Um, who's you know seems a promotion maestro in this level? Do you, do you worry about teams like that, Ben, or are they slightly off the radar a little bit? I think Karanka's going to do a similar thing to what he did at Forest of get them so far, but I don't think I think there's too many issues at a club like Birmingham that they really they, they'll they'll manage to derail themselves somehow, whether they're playing well or not. Something will go tits up. They're just that sort of club at the moment. Um, Forest are a good shout. Sort of they were really strong until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. If they can pull a few bits together they could be a contender again um yeah it's just it's the championship as well there's always gonna be one surprise package and who is that surprise package make the call now ben go i can't it'd be a surprise uh tom who do you think will surprise next year um you said stoke i I think stoke yeah um i think i think they've got a spine there that kind of if they add to it could be really dangerous in that league. They've got a lot of kind of... They, they'd be kind of like... They should have kicked on by now. And I think at the beginning of every season, you think this could be the year by... I think they will kick on this year. They've got a good manager now as well, haven't exactly. they? Exactly. And well to, they started playing well towards the end of the season as well. Like results against like Brentford and stuff, wasn't it? Late on. And they, they, yeah. they've started to click. And Are we discounting Borough? No. Uh, no. Um, no, I... No, I think I think they could be. They won't be as low as they are this year. Let's put it that way. They'll, they'll be knocking but, on the door. But for me, that's not a surprise because they've got Warnock as manager and they've got good players. Yeah. So like the, my surprise, the teams I'm looking at to be a surprise, you know, what's happened this year and looking back at it is Barnsley if they keep Struber because Struber got them playing such good football. Yeah. And Luton, Luton under Nathan Jones because Nathan Jones was incredible at Luton in League One. Yeah. He left before he had a chance in the Championship. And he turned them around in the, the back end of the season. And if they can, they can sign some, you know. It feels like in this league, you're only ever one or two decent signings away from being able to challenge for the playoffs. And I think if Barnsley keep their squad together and sign, I don't know, another striker who can score 20 goals alongside Corley Woodrow or get another midfielder and he's going to create something from the middle of the park, then who knows where they might end up. But there's question marks there because Struber is being linked with Watford. And if Watford take him, then who knows what happens at Watford? It's, it's just one of those... I think the, the league is, as much as it is, um, it's going to be a weird one. It's, it's, it's more open than, than ever. Yeah, even like like to Millwall. I think if they, yeah. it depends where like Jed Wallace goes and stuff. But yeah, they they were solid. They kind of they peaked it out a little bit. But I think that's to do with like squad depth and stuff. But I think yeah. 
they strengthen a little bit as well. They won't be far off the well, especially the playoff race. Um, I think Preston might struggle this year. I don't think they'll be. I think they might dark horses to go down. I was going to say I think I can see them potentially getting relegated because if they 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 don't have massive amounts of resources, um, they fell like a stone the second half of the season and yeah, don't have a strike don't have a strike if they lose a couple of players which they've already lost their captain to Salford um, which you know, kind of points to a, a, maybe a bit of an exodus there they, they could completely fall away and Swansea and that, they'll, they'll drop and Swansea. Well. yeah I mean uh, I suppose we should probably we should probably discuss Swansea before we move on Ben do you what do you see happening at Swansea obviously they've lost a lot of their lone players Gerhi's gone back but there's talk that he's going to back to Swansea Brewster Gallagher and Gallagher's now being linked with a move to, to, to Germany um, they've already lost their keeper, Erwin Mulder. They've lost Mike van der Horn. What, what happens there? Do you, do you think Cooper's got the links to, to, to supplement them with loan signings? Or will they... Will they I, think, I think they've proven that if they, Cooper uses links, they can get some good players in. But that can only save you so many times. Mm-hmm. But then I thought this at the start of this, the, the season just finished. I thought they're going to be in... They're bang in trouble. And they sort of what, finished the place below us. Yeah. Um, but... They're going to run out of life soon. Their owners need to spend some cash. Um, it's a young squad. It's an inexperienced squad. They're losing. I think Dyer's going. Routledge hasn't signed a new deal. They're losing a lot of experience. Routledge just there. has. Just Routledge signed, just yeah. has. Oh, he has, yeah. has he? Okay. But I use the, the question mark, isn't it? Because I think I use only 80 grand a week. Um, and he's got offers from a few other clubs. And well, they're the third, goes, they've got the third biggest wage bill in the championship still. I think yeah. a lot of get that is like that's how much like the play while they're playing a lot of kids, it shows how much they spent on wages for in other places. You must think that's what Carl Norton, uh, Routledge, Dyer, Vanderhorn, are you? That's five players there who'd be earning Premier League wages, right? Because um, they were all signed in the Premier what's League. What's his name? Selena. Selena, forget about Selena. There's a few players there on big, big money, and sort of that's where they're sort of hurting themselves, but Will they have another fire sale? Are they going to look at selling players like Connor Roberts? Because I think well, Rodon's been linked, hasn't he? Rodon, it's probably not far for a Premier League move. If it isn't this summer, it'll be in January. Mm-hmm. Then they're bang in trouble. I know they've got like Cabango and stuff, but Cabango in trouble. Hello. We. See so what you're saying is they're going to get relegated. Hopefully. Yeah. Mm. Tom, do you agree? You're nodding. I, I, they, I don't think they'll be um, challenging for the playoffs, let's put it that way. And like that, that loan signing, like when you've got such a tight turnaround like you do now, to get, you've got to do business quickly and they might struggle. Um, but I think, yeah, I think they'll be towards the bottom half. They might not drop, but I, I don't think they'll be in the, the playoff or promotion picture. I think if they lose Bruce, a player like Brewster's goals and they lose Ayo, I just don't see 30 goals like. there, I think. Yeah, I don't see where they're scoring. I really don't yeah. see them scoring. All right, it's a good place to leave it before we move on to the Twitter stuff. Um, so obviously one of the things we asked people on Twitter was who their player of the year was. Um, it's probably a good chance for us to discuss our player of the year. So I'll do the, um, I'll do the wider questions first, and then we'll go into the player of the year stuff, and we can, we can end the podcast with crowning who our player of the season is. Um, so some people, we, we asked who people would sign. I think people have, you know, Kiefer Moore, Tom Lockyer, Sanderson, someone, uh, Jonathan Davis suggested getting Chris Gunter back in. Tom is a Welsh football fan. You're shaking your head. It's a narrative, isn't it? That's all that is. It's... Um... It's, you'd love it to happen because, like, I love Chris Gunter. I think he's still a wallpaper mm-hmm. on my phone. Um, but um, he's not he, hes not good enough anymore. Like, you'd love it just because he's a Cardiff boy, Welsh legend, but it, it wouldn't add anything. Maybe for depth, but it doesn't add anything to our on-field performance, I don't think. And do you agree? Um, sort of, but I think 
he had a decent end to the season with Reading from what I remember. See, we're Reading fans. They sort of were cl- when he sort of dropped from the squad and came back in. He made a big difference to them. But I do agree. It's it's more a case of he's a Welsh boy. Sort of, we want him back for that more, and, and as a local lad more than anything. Do you, I don't well, think it's the right move. I it, it would feel like Ian Shaw. Do you remember when Ian came yeah. back that year and I? It would feel a bit like that for me. I was going to say to that point though, would you would would the combination of signing Sanderson on loan for a year and someone like Chris Gunter who can show him the ropes a little bit and be back up when needs be, would that would that make the the signing a bit more palatable, Tom? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But I think we've got enough old heads. Like you've got the like sort of like Morrison. We could see in a couple of games coming off a of half time and stuff. He had an arm around Sanderson's shoulder, talking him through it. I don't. I think we've got enough there in that respect that we don't need to add someone in. I know he plays. He doesn't play right back, Morrison. And going to get help along that. But I think we've got enough people in the squad to kind of help someone like Sanderson along if he was to come back. Ben, you and Plus, we've got the oldest squad. Like we had the oldest squad in the league. Don't forget. I think that's a lot of what this what will happen in the summer is just trying to lower that age. I think it was the average yeah. age twenty nine, twenty eight. Yeah. Um, which blows my mind because normally that's about the average. Used to be the average age of a squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twenty-eight because it considered granddads, but um, yeah, I think a lot of that is the club are going to be looking at players, younger players, fresher blood, just to freshen things up. So I don't think Gunter's going to go. I think I really would be wouldn't be surprised to see him end up at Borough uh, with Warnock. I know Warnock wanted him back at Cardiff, so. That's a good shout. That's a good shout. Um, Jonathan Davis also said players out, Flint, Pack, Vassell, Etheridge. Vassell's the, the controversial one to me there because I think Vassell could be a good player next year. We do need a striker. But he also said no to Adoma. Um, and I think that's, well, that's a question really because I think Adoma's out of contract now, Ben. Um, and there's this, he's got another year. Right, well, I think Adoma's still got another year left on his contract, Ben. Um, so, and there was a kind of talk of him coming back. I, I just don't, don't think it's sensible bringing him back now, right? He's older. He's 32, I think. So he would he he doesn't fit in with that narrative of lowering the age of the squad, and he's probably quite expensive. Yeah, big wage. Um, he's going to command a fee, and as good as he was, I think he helped out Sanderson loads. I think he really did a good job. Um, is he going to win us promotion next year? Sadly not. So um, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's a player to bring back at all. Tom, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think yeah, like like you said, he's getting older, obviously, um, but yeah, he doesn't. He wouldn't really add anything. Like, I th- he's only going to be on a downwards trajectory from now on, isn't he? Um, and like mm-hmm. you said, I don't think he's going to win his promotion. Um, the the next question comes from uh, you and James. Um, do you think, with more seemingly top target in the praise for Glatzel that Neil Harris has been given, that we may potentially be changing systems? A four four two would mean that Tomlin would either not play, would be out of position, would, would, whilst a wingerless formation would be a big risk to try. Um, let's go to you first, Tom. Do you see us going back to the old Mike Bassett four four two, or or is the system we play now the system that we're going to start with next year? I think it's just like the horses for courses, really. I think. Harris isn't frightened to change it up every now and again. Like, admittedly, he tried it at QPR and got it wrong mm-hmm. when, he, when he tried to shuffle it about. And I think it depends who we bring in. It depends on the personnel. But, yeah, I could see us playing 4-4-2 in some games, but I, th- I think he'll swap it about. Ben? I agree. Um, I think it'd be silly just to rely on one formation. You sort of see the job. You look at Fulham, for example. They played a couple, and they've got a formation for when they're winning, and then when they want to see a game out, they're switching to a back five regularly. You need to be versatile, you need to be adaptable and having those options can only help as long as the club, the players are confident in playing them and they know the systems. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's it's no bad thing really being versatile and being able to change the game. I think under Warnock, our problem probably was that we only had one system that worked yeah. really well, and then when we tried to change things, we just looked bereft of any idea. Mm-hmm. So I think being able to switch it up and go direct or go a bit more um, passing is good. Uh, Alex Cornish, we I think we've answered this already. Given Sanderson looks likely, would we take Brad Smith or Adobe back on loan given the chance? It's a no to both. Um, and then there was a bit of a discussion before we get into the player of the year from Bluebird's past. So what are your potential thoughts on the signing of Moore? As you tend to play well up front, what happens to Glatzel and where does Patson fit in the team now? And that led to a bit of a conversation between a few people um, on, on Twitter, kind of Ashley Gifford, a guy called Andrew Reynolds um, and Nathaniel Hines, Stephen Purchase, about Callum Patson potentially going back to right back um, and got a shake of a head from Ben and a kind of maybe from Tom. So let's go to you first, Ben. You, you don't want to see Callum Patson back at right back? He's not right back. He can't play right back. Um, I just don't get this idea of switching back to it. He just can't play right back. He, he went in as a right back for, for Scotland a few uh, earlier in the season, had mm-hmm. one game and had a disaster. Next game, he's playing up front. <laughs> he's a talented footballer, but he's not a right back. Tom, do um, agree? Yeah. I'd, I'd probably try him ahead of Gavin White. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think we need to sign the right back. Let's not try and mould players and move them about too much. I think, yeah, I, I can't see him playing there. Um, and Nathaniel Hines said in, in that kind of debate, he says, can see Patterson being shown the door if we get more in Ward signs of extension. Ben, do you, do you see anyone taking a chance on Patterson or do you think people are as, as confused about where he plays as we are? Yeah, I think that's the issue. Everyone knows he's a good footballer. Everyone knows he can score goals. He can do a lot for a team. But it's just finding where to play him. Because I really don't... I still... What have we had in like two, three, two, three years? I can't work out what position he is. I can't no, work out... Is he a 10? Is he a striker? Is he a midfielder? Is he a right winger? A right midfielder? I just can't tell. And it's really... It's going to hurt his career. How old is he now? 23, 24? It's going to no, really... He's older hit. than that. Yeah, no, he's had a hard life. He's a tough <laughs> yeah. paper round. It's going, to really hurt, it's going to really hurt his progress going forward if he doesn't nail down a position or he's going to end up in the sort of John O'Shea mould. He's 25. Uh, 25, just to cover that off. Tom, do you, where, do, where do you see him playing best? I, I still think his number 10, ghosting in late onto balls is his best position. That's, that's my view, but I don't know if you agree, Tom. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a bit, um, if you bring more in as well, you, you just have him in his depth. Like you, you, you're going to lose Danny Ward and, he, Danny. and stuff like that. So um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, just having him there is another option. And he will score goals. He'll score like close to 10 goals, even if he's like dipping in and out of the team. And I think, um, I, don't think I don't think we'll realise the impact he has until he leaves. I think he does a lot of work. When, when he plays, he wins so much ball in the air. Like he does, wins he does a lot a, of fouls. Yeah, he does a, a lot of donkey work, and I think like we'd really miss him if we we got rid of him now because we haven't got anyone to really step up. Right, let's move on to player of the year to round it off. So we put out to Twitter the votes, um, and I'll just run through who they voted. Then you can give me your votes, and I'll I'll get the final decision because I'm in charge of this podcast. Um, and they they both in agreeing. That's good. Jonathan Davis said player of the year Shawnee Morrison. Tom Carter says player of the year Lee Tomlin. And he asked them how could we build a team around from being a great impact sub or a starter to a player we can build around the team team week in week out. Um, Gareth Gardner says player of the year Alex Smithies. Carl Morris, Curtis Nelson, Josh Cantor, Joe Riles, and Gareth Baker um, says Lee Tomlin. So quite a spread. A couple of votes for Tomlin. Then we got one each for Nelson, Smithies, Riles, uh, and Morrison. Let's go to you first, Ben. Who is your player of the year? Um, I think Smithies. Just okay. the way he finished the season just sort of came in as 
made that number one shit his own. Um, yeah, it's hard to look past him. Joe Rawls, probably another contender, but he's missed too much because he was injured. Mm-hmm. And the same with Tomlin for me. Uh, Morrison was too poor at the start of the season to really get there. But I think if you go off the last half of the season, it would be Morrison. But overall, Smithies. Tom? Um, Morrison, for me. I think a lot of people were saying... I think people were worried that he'd kind of his best days were behind him. But I think he's had a real resurgence this year. Um, I think Nelson would be a close second. I think that partnership would have been fantastic together. Um but for me, just he's really stepped up to the plate, Morrison. Um, and he started to score goals again or towards the back end of the season. If I can carry on into next season. Because we weren't quite threatening from set pieces as much as we should have post-lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think now that um, a bit of a pre-season and stuff and a bit of work on that, I think he's Morrison's going to be huge for us next season. But Who was both, the both ends of the pitch. Who was the lad on Twitter that said we should sign Lockyer because Sean Morrison's getting is too old now and will need to be dropped? Didn't see that one. <laughs> I, did. I saw that one. I saw you put it because you bit. <laughs> he was. Oh, did you? Did you bite them, Price? I don't think I bit. Oh, was it not you? Someone bit. <laughs> no, I, I sort of just. I sort of just followed. I, I think I retweeted it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not twenty nine. Twenty nine needs to be rotated. <laughs> is is Shorty is Shorty Morris twenty nine? He's a week. He's like a week younger than me. Oh my god! It makes he's still got so like seven years in him. Centre back yeah. is fine. It's like. His type of game as well. He doesn't really rely on pace. Pace, no. Well, apart from something like, season run. Yeah, but like with Nelson alongside him, like if he's played in the right partnership, he's not played alongside someone like Flint. He's got plenty of uh, gas left in the tank. He's twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a shame. Let me see if I can find that tweet quickly. If I can't, then we'll just have to move on. Um, uh, where is it? Is it here? Is it here? No, I can't see it. Um, but no, I just, I, th- I think, I think, yeah, you, you're right in what you say. Morrison's never relied on his pace, and I think he's 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 shown this year that he, I think I wrote about this in um in a piece I wrote for View from Ninian. I think he's 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 matured ever so slightly. I think there was that time last year where he, you know, against Newcastle is the prime example where the cross came in and instead of just letting it go past him or trying to deal with it another way, he handballed it and it was so needless. But I think he's cut that out of his game and I think that's the difference we've seen this year. He's just been a bit more, a bit more kind of thoughtful in the way he defends and he's not kind of rushed out of position too much. He's not kind of left the defence languishing and he's not made those silly mistakes that he was last year. He's still got uh, one in it, but... He has still got one in him, and I'm fine with that. I like a defender who's got a mistake in him. Yeah. Um, but I just, he doesn't, he, he's got a mistake in him, but he seems to think about it and doesn't make that mistake anymore. So that's what I like about him. Um, if I was going to, if I was going to have a vote for player of the year, and I think for me, it's, I just have, I just really like Joe Rawls. And I think Joe Rawls this year has, he's upped his production. So what I think, um, I looked into the stats, it's sort of, he's, he's been directly involved in 12 goals in around 30 games. Um, I think he's been that linchpin in the middle of the park that we missed. Um, earlier in the season when he when he wasn't playing, I think he's just he he's up to set set piece delivery as well. If we if we look into the you know the Fulham game in particular, the two crosses he put in for the goals we scored were were unreal, really. Um, so I, I'm going to vote for Joe Rolls, but I think I think there's a clear a clear one two three four there really, isn't there? And I think that's the only way we can do it because I think four, you know two or three players have had really good seasons. I think Smithies has had a resurgence. I think Morrison's been crucial, especially the second half of the season. Tomlin has come back from the dead, as it were, and and, and shown how good he is. And I think Rolls has been has been a key player in the middle of the park. So. I'm just going to take the easy option here and say all four can get. It's a really weird season to sort of say one player's been the best throughout. Exactly, exactly. So stop-start. Yeah. 
It has been so tough start. And I think, like you say, Nelson wasn't in the team at the start of the year, but has come really good in the second half of the season. Morrison was really poor at the start of the year, broke both his wrists somehow, and has had a brilliant second half of the season. I think if, if we're pointing at one player who's been our consistent good, it's probably Tomlin. So I think Tomlin has been there for most of the season and has been, you know, uh, was it sort of nine goals, eight assists, something like that. So he's probably been our most consistent player in that front. But there has been times where he, he hasn't been as good, those games where the, the game has passed him by. So... It's, it's a really tough one because, like you say, there's, there's four or five players who at different points have been brilliant. So um, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just take the easy way out and say there's four or five players of the year. <laughs> um, right, so that's, uh, I suppose it's a good way to leave the podcast. And as, as we go into pre-season, Ben, what have you got planned for pre-season, which, I don't know, starts now, ends in September? I haven't, I haven't got a clue, really. What, where, where are we? Um, isn't it like two-week break and then it starts <laughs> yeah, back? Yeah, it starts back again. Um, I don't know. I'm going to sort of miss football but then we've also got the Champions League tournament that's sort of going on now so that'll sort of yeah. give me a bit of fulfilment until the season starts and I'm, I'm with like Tom said I thought I'd get really burnt out by football but sort of I forgot what to do when football's not on <laughs> I've sort of gone into that so um, I might just watch the old season review DVDs constantly while crying and <laughs> go to the tip no you can't I can't go first month and I've used a month <laughs> you, have a, you, could, you've, you can only go God, once yeah. a month Oh wow! This is this is another world. I don't think I've ever been. To, I haven't been to the tip in a long time. And Tom, what are you doing pre-season? I'm moving back to Wales for a for a few months. Um, so I'll be moving back to Carmarthen. Um, but then, yeah, I probably will just. I think I'm going to try and start playing golf more, just to distract myself from there being lack of football. And then just yeah, start pining for football in about two weeks' time, and just start building myself up for it. Start buying when- pointless kits and everything. When does the new season start? So, like the 12th, 13th of September. Something like that, yeah, second week of September. So it's literally a month away. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just like the players are going to be so tired. I feel sorry for them. Um, so I guess we should they, probably they do like, If you look at the Instagram of Sean Morris's missus, they look like they're having a fantastic time. Yeah. Can I, I also mean, give I... a massive shout out to Beth, who did the most amazing sleuthing I've ever seen and managed to find the hotel. Like, in the creepiest yeah. way, I've managed to find the hotel where they were staying. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did, I did look it up, and I think if you wanted to, like, if you wanted to book a very short, you know, like a, a last minute trip for the for next week, it would cost something like fifty thousand pounds. Why have you looked that up? What's wrong? Because I've got you? nothing to do. I, 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 we were, I was um in the pub when it came up, and then I was looking, and I was like, oh, let's have a look for honeymoon next year. It does look a lovely place. Twenty four grand for the honeymoon suite. It does look a lovely place, and I'm really glad that uh, Joe Riles and Sean Morrison are best friends and having a lovely time on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> right, boys. I mean, I was going to say that, that ends this season, but in reality, we're two weeks away probably from doing a preview podcast. So um, <laughs> let's, let's talk again in two weeks, and um, and uh, we'll, we'll 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 chat again in two weeks. I'll miss you, boys. I'll miss you uh, so much. I'll, I'll be all right, I think. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, then. See you, lads. may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty but they like to talk about Cardiff City it's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and